Kia ora, I'm Alicia Wilson-Hetty from Te Taumata Tuia EB, Auckland's Regional Arts Trust. You're listening to Creative Capital, a podcast about advocacy and systems change. We're exploring the role that arts, creativity and culture play in Tamaki Makoto, with a focus on the people behind the work and their vision for the future. We hope these conversations are a simple way for us to come together as advocates and artists to navigate 2023 and beyond. In this episode, we speak to Chantal, Noah and Aniwa Faiapu, part of the whānau behind Te Manawa, a Māori artist-led collective focused on leading transformational change in the creative sector in Tāmaki Makoto, currently being developed by Te Taumato Toya Iwi. I am very happy to be sharing the studio this morning with two generations of Whaiapu and I'm actually going to get them to introduce yourself so we might go this way to my left. <laughs> Kia ora, ko noa Whaiapu ahau, he uri tēnei no te tai tokero, te aupauri, waikato tainui. Uh, yeah, I'm the mātāmua of our Whaiapu whānau, so I'm the oldest daughter. Uh, also from my dad's side, I am Ngāti Pākia, no island rawa ko Portugal, and I have another father, no tonga tapu rawa ko Norway. Ora tēnā koutou. Slay. Uh, morena tātou, tēnā tātou te iwi, um, ko Aniwa Lamale, Whaiapu Kulamatangi toke ingoa. He uri tēnei no ngā exact same places as Noah. Um, te tai toke rau, ngā iwi mahao, te tai toke rau, waikato tainui, um, and I've just got one of those dads, so that's Tonga Tapu <laughs> and Noe. Morena. Morena. Um, <coughs> morena, tēnā tātou i tiwi. Uh, ko Chantal Whaiapu tēnei, ko au te māma. Um, yeah, he uri whakaheke no te tai toke rau, no waikato hoki. Oh, kia ora. thank you. I'm so excited to have you all in the studio today. And I think I just wanted to start off our conversation by thinking about we do have two generations of fire poofano in the studio today. And intergenerational knowledge sharing and collab- collaboration is inherently how we do things as Māori and people of Moana Oceania. And I've been thinking about that a lot in the context of how you are all working together. So how are you finding working with your mama and collaborating mm. with your mama, oh. Noah <laughs> and Aniwa? I feel like she's been waiting for this moment our whole lives. Absolutely. And so it's finally come into fruition. And um, one of the things that I think just seeing my mum and her element and being able to watch and observe and learn from her by what she does rather than her telling us what she does. Um, yeah, that's been one of the biggest things. Aniwa? Um, definitely been some learnings in there. <laughs> um, nah, but yeah, I, I kind of jumped on a little bit late to this waka. So it was Noah working with mum first and then... Because mum always, she's like, throughout our whole lives, has always tried to be like, I've got this contract for you. Do you want to come and jump on? I've got some mahi that I think would be amazing if we all do together. And then this time, and every single time, we're always like, nah, nah, you're like, build up, da-da-da-da-da. And then once Noah started working with her, she was like, oh, it's actually serious this time. <laughs> she's actually got it sorted, like, it's actually vibes, you should come on, it's cool as kaupapa. Um, but now nah, it's been so cool, yeah. Like what Noah said, it's just been cool as to like see our mum in her zone and in her element and like, 
you know, we have our little hooey with each other and we're like, bah, mum's actually so smart, eh? Like, that's buzzy as. But, um, yeah, that's been cool. We're also like, wow, she runs late to everything. Like, oh. everybody knows. Stop exposing your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alicia. I was just thinking the same thing. I was thinking, it's powerful. <laughs> Out me. She's conditioned <laughs> these people. Hey, but if you know, you know me. Mm. You know I'm always going to be late to hui, but when I'm there, you've got my attention 150%. <laughs> when she's on, she's on. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Alicia. <laughs> um, and Shantel, how is how is this? Yeah, how are you finding it having your your children collaborating with you in this this? This project, this space, like, are, are you happy that you've got your children so close? <laughs> well, one, just listening to them both giving, you know, sharing their whakaaro about the mahi with me makes me um, go, oh, wow. Um, it's like working with, you know, my children coordinate and plan and organise me in this space. So it's really interesting I, 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 you know, I let some things slide and then other things I'm just like, that's a hard no. So I think between us, we're learning how to work together. Yeah. Because I, I think just because we're Fano, it's just easy. But, you know, there's the professional space and then there's how we are as a mum and her children and then how we are as three adults. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and so I love that because there are, you know... Um, we're human, and there's um, awesome points of tension, and then there's soft spots. Yeah, you know, and that you can turn around and say, "Oh, I love that. I love what you've done. That's good, honey." <laughs> you know, and oh, babe, that's amazing. So I think that's um, that to me fills me up, fills my cup. Yeah, and we're all learning together. Like me as a mum, learning to work with my my children, two of my children, and them working with me, vice versa. You know, so um, yeah, and and like they've said, it is. I've always seen the horizon as being my children and I working together in some way, shape, or form. So in the past, we've tried to do that, um, but here it is in in its full fruition I guess yeah absolutely and I think there there is a, a whakapapa to that as well yeah. right because yeah. you have um, in in your career and profession yeah. actually worked with your mama yeah. and, and that kind of intergenerational knowledge exchange so there feels like it makes sense to me as um, your collaborator and friend that there would be a natural progression that you would eventually bring your children yeah. into that lineage as well and I love it I think there's a really um, exciting energy that when you know people as intimately as you know family, mm. that's where real magic yeah. can actually yeah. spark. Yeah. That's the source. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I'm, I, I was blessed that my mum, who passed away towards the end of last year, that I got to work quite a lot with her. Yeah. And so did my my older brother. So in that, in that respect, we were taught by her how to be in different places and spaces yeah, and how to interact with different people and what relationship means. Yeah. You know, because I think at the core of everything, that's probably the number one thing is relationships are everything. Absolutely. In the, in the, especially in this type of mahi that we do. And so, um, yeah, and, and um, my children were raised 
within the village, eh? With, yeah. By my by my parents, so it's part of the natural progression of things, you know. And so succession, when we talk about it, it's just like, well, you know, they they've they've seen their mum and their auntie and uncles mahi in this way, um, with and for um, for their their grandparents, but also with um, and for and in service of the communities that we work with. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a natural part of um, mm. your your environment, of how you've been raised. Mm. It's not a, something that they had to go away and learn. You know, yeah. you, it's in the home that that takes place and you just grow yeah, up. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's something around um, as in, in my own arts practice and, and being in this space as well that I've been reflecting on a lot is it is relational. It is about service and community. And I don't think in the current structures or models that we all navigate through, they're really very considerate of those things at all. Mm. So how do you recenter that in the ways in which we are in service of our creative communities, whatever that might look like, and being able to role model that through these like ways of that come so naturally to all of us anyway, but feel probably quite foreign to like a very colonial structure and methodologies and how you do stuff. And it was interesting because I remember having a conversation with you both <coughs> about the difference between for a Pākehā world lens, they might say, that's nepotism. <laughs> and you go, no, that's succession planning. We're yeah, smart. We've got to infiltrate. And and the difference between those two things is something I've been reflecting on a lot as well and what that looks like. So, I mean, I think you've already answered my next question anyway around <laughs> why this type of succession planning is important and how that then permeates out further and the ripple into our communities. So I wanted to ask you all, all three of you come from quite different parts of the creative ecosystem and you and how has navigating from those different places helped guide you in terms of the service to community that you engage with? Because Noah, you've come from fashion and that space, it's very different. And then you have come from TV and film and, and that space and performance and what's that like? And then you, Chantal, they're all different strings on the... Violin. I'm gonna go with violin. I don't know why. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's all kind of in the same, the same for the same universe, but from different parts of that. How how has that been for you all? Hmm. Do you want to take it first? I just have to think a little bit about that. Yeah. Same, Loki. Take <laughs> <laughs> it. Okay. Well, I think one is. I'm just gonna start from the succession planning, it's also about papa. Yes. Mm. So um, one, that's really, really critical. And two, where I stand, based on my life experience and the relationships I've built and developed and maintained and hold, you know, I have a responsibility to that, mm-hmm. to them, to those whānau and friends that are part of that my my matrix, a part of my matrix, yeah. eh? Um, I have a responsibility to turn up in spaces and be me. Mm. Yeah. Right. It's about when I come into those spaces, I have a responsibility um, on those relationships that I hold that are Absolutely. important to me because yeah. in a way I'm in service to that. Mm-hmm. To that. Likewise, there's a... There's a monarchy, there's a reciprocation that's going on between us. So when I'm in spaces, I have to be 
100% myself. Yeah. And if that sits in uncomfortably in spaces for people, well, that's not my problem. Yeah. What I have to do is just hold that responsibility because I have a role if I'm in that room. Yeah. Also, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we show up as a whanau. Yeah. And that's one of the superpowers of working with each other is that whenever we meet anyone, we're showing up as a whānau first. Mm. And I think that naturally melts away any sort of other agendas or yeah. any fakaro because we're coming from that space first. And I think inherently that's dekomahi within all of these Pākehā organisations. Absolutely. Um, and we're stronger together mm. and we all play our roles and we know the roles that we've chosen, they're not roles that we've put ourselves in. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things working with each other and being in Pākehā spaces, which we've all had to experience, is we know how to totoko one another. Yeah. And we know each other so intimately, like no one knows us like we know each other. Yeah. 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 And it's like that thing, eh, like, Kaite kawekwe te mana o to fano o to mm. iwi o maunga o awa o hapu. All of those things, like you are not just representing yourselves, like Mum said, you're representing like generations and legacies mm-hmm. before you. And so, yeah, just showing up and being yourself in those spaces and knowing that you're walking with these giants that came yeah. before you and holding space for that legacy is, yeah. Who cares about what the Pākehā think? As long as you're showing up and being authentically Māori or authentically you and whatever that looks like, ko te pāinga te mm. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. And I, th- and I think that is it, isn't it? It's like there, there is a responsibility as um, as Māori, as, as, a, as Pacific people, to like really make sure that you are honouring yourself, that you're honouring your tupuna mm. and that you're doing the right thing by them, mm. by actually just being yourself in mm. these spaces. Yeah. That's the superpower, right? It's yeah. like not um, not actually watering yourself down. To fit into that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Not demean and your light for others. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that can be, it can be quite hard and quite challenging. And so th- I, that's what I think I, I love about working with other indigenous and brown people is that we we naturally gravitate towards yeah. each other mm. and support each other in that way because I don't think these systems have been built with us in mind. Well, they yeah. haven't. We all know that. And so being able to do that as a whānau is I, I just have so much admiration for you all and it makes me feel so hopeful that we can like demonstrate we don't have to do things the same. And like mm. the context of that doesn't sit within a Pākehā paradigm mm. because it's not nepotism. Yeah. Well, it's being a part of a whānau is that intergenerational knowledge sharing. It's inherent. And like even yeah. being creative as Māori, <coughs> Māori are all naturally creative. So putting ourselves in a box of I am a creative is almost like goes against who we are as people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Plus those structures are boring anyways. Like, it's so much better doing it with your whanau. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. So, now when I try to shape this in my head, it's still I still don't know that I've got the wording right in terms of what I think I'm wanting to ask, but I want to put this provocation <laughs> on the table and see where we go with this. So this year, 
we've had this increased and really long overdue investment into Te Matatini. Mm-hmm. And Fashion Week was recently, and seeing Kitty Nathan being the first ever Wahine Māori Open Fashion Week, and it's 21 years of running, which seems wild to me. What shift are we saying, or do we think we're saying, in terms of the valuing and understanding of the importance of the contribution of Māori creatives? I know that's a big, weird, kind of wiry mm. question, <laughs> and I've... I did a bit of a word dump and then I was like, how do I want to have this conversation? But I think as someone who has been privileged enough throughout my creative career to have access to mātauranga and to toi Māori and Māori creatives and also having privilege to go overseas and represent our country in different spaces, Mm. the one thing that people always ask when you're in an international space is, oh my God, wow, like Māori culture and kapahaka and what? what is that? Do you do that? I'm like, no, I don't do that. I know people who are very good at it, but not me. And so, I, yeah, I don't know how you feel about that question, but I just wanted to kind of put that provocation out there because you might not even care about what the mainstream think. I mm. personally don't, but I think it's been interesting watching the shift in the psyche, I guess, of like mainstream New Zealand and what that looks like. Mm. Mm. Um, I think for myself, like my experiences, I've been doing kapahaka like my whole life. And like as a performer, you know, these are like our ways of telling our stories and keeping our like hitori alive. And yeah and the richness of our culture and all that comes with it alive is through kapahaka and performance and stuff. So yeah, we are seeing more of a shift in terms of like mainstream recognition, but I think it could be like way more. There could Mm -hmm. be way more um, support, funding, just all of those things, you know, to because these are our stories, these are our histories and these are all of those things that kapahaka provide just from my personal experience anyways and so to see those being pushed out even more into Aotearoa would be amazing so it is cool to see that there has been a little bit more support but we could be way more at the iwi yeah, yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to say and then yeah, like, yeah. and yeah. then what's next because it's not only Maori history it's everyone in Aotearoa's hitori. Yeah. Mm. So it's not just ours. And yeah. I think it needs to be, like Aniwa said, everywhere. And then what's next? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you have any thoughts to add from Tao? Uh, <laughs> I have lots, but I'm going to just grab the first thing that pops down. One, props to Kitty Nathan for opening um, Fashion Week. Uh, that's a long time coming. And yes, that's a reflection, yeah, of something occurring. Um, I think what Nigel did for um, Toy Two Toy Order yeah. was groundbreaking. Yeah, for contemporary Māori visual arts, that like that shook the art world at its core. It really did. And and I think there are lots more. Um, events and significant events and, and activations or whatever you want to call them that are occur- occurring that are um, stepping stones yeah. of why Aotearoa needs to be investing 
not just the like, oh, here, this is the pretty edges of our country. Mm. You know, this is what we look like internationally because the ABs do the haka. Yeah. You know, it's more than that. It's when people do significant things of that nature, what Kitty did, what Nigel did, what some of the Pity. dance companies, companies have done, um, what Taika is doing in the world. You know, all of that stuff is all part of it. But we've, we are here and we have been here and we are Aotearoa. Yeah. And so from my perspective, it, it really comes down to what are every government, no matter who they are, I'm trying not to put F-bombs in it <laughs> <laughs> or get on my like preacher's box. But um, Get on it, girl. This is such a responsibility. You know, you can't sell the country outwardly to the world by going, oh, here, take this kapahaka group or, you know, suddenly we're going to blow up Taika as a country when we can't take care of our own anyway. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like our, our sector suffers as, as a result of poor investment. Yeah. You know, Ngātoi Māori suffers and yet we are the shining light globally to what people consider when they look back at Aotearoa. Yeah. I find that, that that's the irony, eh? And the, yeah, um, it's huge irony in that and it's something I think I consider all the time yeah. and that the... Having people in positions of power with the putia, actually understanding the importance of locality, because I think that's something that often gets left out of the conversation around, but bring it back to where you are. Like, if you bring it back to where you are and the people of the place, then it feels like a no-brainer to me that you would invest there well. And it's not something we do well or at all, really, upon reflection, that I'm like, if we were to, when we think about all these kind of systems change and what needs to happen instead of the tinkering, it is thinking about, okay, how do we actually shift that dial completely on a locality and people, and what does that look like when we're rebuilding something different? Because I think Mm. slowly, and it is slowly, these old systems of doing and being and moving through the world are kind of slowly dying out. And I think we're hearing that kind of death rattle of like, no, we can't have it changed too much. It doesn't benefit us. And I think that's interesting watching um, within the different spaces we're all in, how that has shifted as well. Mm. And I think too, I just want to add to that and to the things that anyone and Noah have said is that there have been amazing people, rangatira, Māori leaders who have come in the sector or not even in the, or from the sector but just have been in front of us that have kicked in doors yeah. in ways that haven't been imagined before yeah. and have opened space for for there to be more, um, um, more Māori in, in whatever art forms mm. um, doing what they need to do, you know. And creating and just making and having a presence. And I think there are now more mm. uh, rangatira from within the younger generations that have emerged. And you have interviewed some of them and you are interviewing some of them today. But, yeah. you know, the um, the reality is, and then they're bringing through the next generations of leaders who are going to um, expand and turn things inside out and maybe um, put to rest this tired old system that's broke that doesn't work for us as Māori 
yeah. and create the new and the different in a way that works for us as Māori. So we're not just a tick box or, oh, let's roll us out, but we are the sector. Yeah. Now on that, I'm just <laughs> going to pick up on that. <laughs> so you collectively have been holding um, a kaupapa ko te manawa and I just wanted to... I guess put the invitation out on the table to think about or maybe speak into what that kaupapa is and how that is helping, I guess, to facilitate and foster some of the shift that is so deeply needed for our creatives in Tamaki Makoto, but more broadly Aotearoa and what that looks like. Okay, and now <laughs> anyone know I might jump in because they might have a little story to add to this, but... When Enon Delamere, um, him and I bumped into each other at a Tangi, we hadn't seen each other for maybe a couple of years. Um, but he said, oh, what are you doing? What are you up to? And I was like, oh, doing some contract mahi over here. And he goes, you don't want to do something in the toy Māori sector? And I was like, yep, sweet. So we got together and he was like, let's go around. Let's, um, let's suss out what's happening. Because... Quite a few of us had noticed people, what used to exist before Auckland Council was real strong local collectives mm-hmm. and real strong local, I guess, ringatoi Māori creative movements, whether you were out south, you know, if you were a Southsider, if you were out west, if you are across the shore or in central, you know, there were really clear um Māori creative collectives happening and they were thriving and they were the basis of um, what is now the Matariki Festival that rolls yeah. out here in Tamaki. Well, that was originally artist-driven, you know, from artists um, in the different parts of Tamaki Makaurau. It wasn't a centrally driven initiative. Like they were, you know, because they were living in the four corners. Yeah. And... Um, and there was Toyo Manako out south, and there was a really strong West West Side collective of artists, and and there was a movement happening in in the city, and there was an amazing group of senior Māori artists in Tamaki at the time that came from Ngāpuna Waihanga, and if if you know Google it, look up Ngāpuna Waihanga Māori artists, writers, and illustrators back in the day, like they created this contemporary Māori art movement. And um, yeah, and they were in Tamaki, and it, there was just things happening. And 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 if you were from South Auckland, you had a really strong identity as a South Aucklander, right? As a South from the South Side. If you were from out west, same thing. And so whether you were Iwi Mana Whenua or Matawaka, and I guess when we amalgamated as a city into Auckland Council, some of that local identity, yeah. like you talked about earlier. Um, just blended so much it became really focused about what happens in the central city yeah and and some of that uniqueness talking about dimming lights dimmed a bit and so here we are maybe 10 12 years later or 10 years later and Enon and I having this conversation and he was um he he was oh he contracts to Tito Mata Toya Iwi. So we started a series of conversations with just different Māori artists that we knew of. Um, now, 
COVID hit, so it became what we thought was going to be something over six months became literally a journey of about 18 months to two years. Yeah. And we learn a lot of things as we, as we spoke to mates and they introduced us to other mates in whānau about you know what their needs and expectations were and what was working, what the challenges were. And um, yeah, and out of that con- those series of interviews in Kōrero, um, two years later, we said, what are we going to do with this? Because everybody said, what are you going to do with this information? Yeah. And we said something boring like, oh, we're going to write a report. <laughs> and <laughs> then what? And they were like, you have to do something with this. Because every time we'd interview somebody, we'd give some general themes mm-hmm. of what others had said before them, right? And so it was easy to pick up from those points where people would say, yeah, this is happening to me. Or they'd say, have you thought about this? Yeah. So some there were uh, common themes that started to emerge. And then we realised... Shit, we can't not do something with this. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, there was the fund from um, Te Manatu Taonga, eh, the innovation fund. And we thought we'd throw in a pitch for that. And while we were th- thinking about what is the pitch, Enon came up with the whakaro about the three heartbeats of the Ngātoi Māori sector of Tāmaki Makaurau. So Te Manawa, Pūmanawa, Whatumanawa, oh, Pūmanawa. You know, and so from there it just kind of took off and it evolved and we got a bunch of mates together who kind of gave us some guidance, who led their art forms or mahid with rangatahi Māori in this space. And it was really about going, make this a collective movement, mm-hmm. but we need to go back out to the sector mm. and we need to go back to the whare toy, yeah. the different whare toy. And we realised there's lots of whare toy. And so we th- we're starting small. So there's a whole series of wānanga that's about to roll out in October through to December and um, different senior um, Māori um, creators will lead those whare toy and we're just starting having the conversations and I think next year look forward there'll be a significant event that is the culmination of those wānanga that will be held yeah and uh, again we're starting reigniting the movement in a way where it's collective rather than us staying in our individual lanes yeah because one of the beauties of the toy or manako and the collectors that were happening before the amalgamation was that everybody collaborated regardless mm. of your art form yeah you know i mean the matariki festival came from that the waitangi day festival that those were bangers they were bangers yeah, they you were know amazing. Fifty thousand, sixty thousand plus people turning up out in south auckland because and that was the amalgamation of a, a Māori artist collective yeah. going trust that trust going let's put this on for our people around Waitangi Day. I think this is where you drop in Toyo Manako, Mum. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you drop in Toyo Manako. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, uh, Toyo Manako was a, a was a, um, a Māori artist. Um, trust that was based out in South Auckland yeah. and had a huge part of, and there's some amazing artists that um, led that, you know, led that movement. Nigel was one of them. Um, Noelle Jakeman was part of that. Yeah. Gabriel Bells. Gabriel Bells. Yeah, like, there was just some amazing people that um, were part of building that movement. And it was about exhibitions, putting on more Māori curated Exhibitions yeah. in those in those <clears throat> community art gallery spaces, yeah. right? For the community, and for the community, but representative of the community mm. as well. So yeah, totally. Really supportive of that, and it and it kind of indicated too how you could mahi 
in this space mm-hmm. without being competitive with each other. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a flavour that's come through now as the result of limited funding that's in the sector for arts in general. Yeah, absolutely. I think it has really created an environment that is very individualistic and I don't think that's how our people roll. So I think it's been interesting watching how <clears throat> there has been this um, move back to, I think, collective practice mm. and what does that look like and is inherently how we do things as people anyway from a cultural perspective. Yeah. We don't do anything alone. We do mm. everything together. So it just makes sense that you would have a shift into moving into that in a more meaningful way. And I say that, this is me totally plugging myself right now, <laughs> but, you know, I have been a part of a collective practice with FASWAG for 10 years, yeah. and I just think that is the only way we should be doing things mm. for a majority of reasons. It, it's easier. Yeah. There's more shared resource yeah. around collective care. I think I had considered for a long time what does self-care look like, but actually and I had this quarter door in the last episode with Janae around what does collective care look like with each other because that's where we'll see the real shift. Mm. And I think that's something that we all do so well is as brown people and in the context of working with whanau, you can have that collective care with each other that you're not having to enter those spaces alone mm. because then, yeah, I just... I don't know. I think having a co-papa like this that is deeply considerate of collective practice and collective care, I feel like will be so transformational. Yeah. And I'm so excited to see how this co-papa permeates through our Twe Māori sector and in Tamaki, but I think more widely, how do we then get that to be adopted across Aotearoa? Exactly. Um, and that's actually <clears throat> my next question was like, <clears throat> how do you think this will, or what do you envision, um, how this methodology and way of doing and what this could potentially be, grow into, how that could then be, I guess, picked up across Aotearoa, because um, I don't think this is how we're currently doing things, which is a shame, because we need more of this kind of collective mode of being and doing and being in service of. What does that look like for you all? <laughs> Go Noah. <laughs> I think that I'm going to start back at being Fano because I think that really grounds the kopapa. Yeah. And something that I've learned through the process of working with my Fano is that when it's grounded in that space, you're embodying the mahi that you're doing. Yeah. And that's something that's a real taonga and a real um, strength, I think, that I've been able to find through this process is that when we talk to people, we're showing up and being our real selves, and the kopapa then is coming from that place. Yeah. You bring, like Aniwa said, every time I go into a room in the Ngātoi Māori space, I'm bringing my nan with me. Yeah. And just going back to Toyo Manako, like she was a part of that and helped establish that. Anything grounded in whakapapa, it's on. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that by us doing this and embodying that, others will light up and see. And it will be hopefully an example for other whanau or other Māori or other bloody people <laughs> to also embody that way of working with one another. could yeah. be anywhere. Um, so that's how I'm going to answer that. 
yeah no i agree and like just jumping onto that like we were real fortunate because we did have the like we did get to experience working with nan and having that generation and then like mum as well so we've we know firsthand what it's like having the hua of the that sort of working together as whanau and stuff so hopefully being able to share what that looks like and having those systems for all of Aotearoa is like the hope yeah (laughs) if that makes sense you know it does make sense that feels quite dreamy (laughs) I think I've been reflecting on that a lot um and and in this role with Te Tomata Toya Iwi and having um just so lovingly getting to share space Mm. with you all and what what can look different and move different and sound different, even though it is kind of reverting back to to that the whole premise of whakapapa and lineage and understanding that it's all connected. Like it's it's not this weird, I guess, um, thought exercise where you go, oh, if we do it like this, mm. it's actually just going, remembering, I guess, and also embodying, we already know how to do this because mm. this is what we it's do. natural. Totally. We do this with our family. We do this when we're with our, our people and that's how you do stuff anyway. Yeah. And yeah. I just want to say, there's that, the idea of dreaming, right? My mum is an epic dreamer. I think we all can dream. But within us, there's the dreaming, the action, the mangai. So we all know when and where to play those roles and that I really believe helps move us forward so we're not just stuck in one energy state yeah Um, and that's being a whānau (laughs) yeah yeah I love that sorry I just want to sit in that thought for a moment because it (laughs) it is so dreamy and I think it's just like I don't know I have found um, moving as a creative practitioner in the in the industry specifically here in Aotearoa, quite challenging at times mm. because I think that's something that it doesn't lend itself to work that way. So you're having to figure out how do I navigate that with this idea or sense of Fano in my bones? Like what does it look like to move into that space that tells you all of those things are not professional? I guess it's because that's not our system. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's not our system. We didn't create that. So it doesn't feel natural. Yeah. Right? And then some of us have learned, have been trained by our people, by our parents or grandparents or whoever in the whānau, to see the system for what it is and navigate and be in the system to create space within that system so that more of us can come in to then be able to disrupt it. And I don't, you know, to disrupt it and from within try and bring about change yeah but but knowing that the real change happens that's led by our people outside as well you know yeah, so totally. the two are, that's the hononga that's the connection because you've got to have some kind of i guess vitamin c injection on the inside right yeah so that what's happening on the outside can can grow be create a healthier system and I guess that's what we were in the process of of trying to figure that out and all these things about let's get more money or investment into that are amazing that this happened Te Matatini has got all this puti and that in itself is amazing but those amazing leaders who set that up yeah right right back in the whatever the 70s or the 80s and brought that whole movement forward you know that is part of what happens when people know how to be in the system 
Totally. And we don't all have to be in the system to understand it. Yeah. We just need some of our own. And we also have to support some of our own so that they don't lose their way. Yeah. Because the system is bigger than us, eh? And totally. just jumping onto that, going back into Papa, <coughs> we are, I think I've heard you say this, or mum, but we are our tipuna's wildest dreams. Our moko and my nephews, they're going to be living a life that what we're doing now is going to help set them up. Yeah. And when you come from that papa place and you think like that, it makes everything more like rich. Yeah. Because what you're doing, it's not just for yourself. And the minute that you can decenter yourself and see the bigger picture of the mahi, it just becomes like on. And when I think of our nephews, I'm just like, holy, the stuff we're doing now, which is probably what my nan thought, we're now benefiting from. And that's just, <laughs> and we're the yeah. we're the who are, we're the seeds of that now, right? Yeah. So yeah. While it was my my mum's dream, and I fought that, then at some point in my adult life, realised like, holy, I have to be part of that because I get it. Like, why was I taken into all these different places and meet all these different people and watch my parents mahi in this space and learn these tools? It's the DNA download to then yeah. go, I have to. I've got a responsibility. I can't just hold it to myself. I need to share it with my kids because, you know, multiply by 10, right? <laughs> so then they bring on another 10 okay, people, okay. you know. But Paramount. the thing is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it is. It's game on. Yeah. You know, and if it's and, – and there are so many of us, I think. Oh, I'm making an assumption. But we do. We do this because it is about our people. Absolutely, and I think there's a huge difference between when something is being ego-led and driven Mm. and when something is being heart-led and driven. And all of this is heart work. Mm. It's such deep, deep heart work of like knowing it doesn't need to look like this. It can look so different than this. And what it means to like enable that is like really exciting to me. And I'm glad that I get to like be a co-conspirator with you all doing that work because like it, it is a thing of there are some of us who work within the structures that have figured out how we do that, but it isn't for everybody. And I think the younger version of myself used to get quite frustrated with my peers around, well, like just do it, just do it. And now I'm a lot more gentle, I guess, around going, not everyone is built that way mm. to navigate within these spaces and do it in a way that doesn't um, deplete you. So it's figuring out how those two things work together, which I yeah. think you all do really well. So I have one last question, Arnold, <laughs> to wrap it up. And I always ask this question because I think dreaming and what that can enable is so important and it's so important to like think towards a different version of reality and what that can look like for all of us. That's half the reason why I think most of us do what we do is because we know using our imagination that it can look different. It doesn't have to look like this. What is your biggest hope or what is your hope for what the, hmm, how do, how do I want to, where do I want to take this? Hmm. I know what it is. What is your biggest hope for Māori as you continue to voyage towards the future? Because I, I don't want to centre it in just the creative yeah. context because I think 
what you're all doing with the mahi that you do is actually about Māori development and it just so happens to be within the context of a creative space? Yeah. Big question. Um, (laughs) Um, Seeing ourselves in every single space, occupying and evolving every single space, uh, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Thank you, Noah. Yeah. Just, I think we've got so much brown magic. With There's so much magic with being Māori and so much magic with being um, Tangata Pacifica and Tangata the Moana. And so just owning it, keep on being true to it and keep on spreading it. Yeah. God, I'm I'm sitting on that question. So I guess whatever is good for Māori will be good for humanity. Oh, yeah, I totally (laughs) agree. And so, you know, just the reality is being everywhere at all times. Yeah. And every time space and dimension you know being Māori yeah everything everywhere all at once I was just gonna say (laughs) that (laughs) yeah oh I love all of your answers thank you so much I just want to acknowledge each of you thank you all so much for this beautiful fruitful corridor today I really enjoyed sharing space with you all thank you thank you for having us thank you (laughs) tēnā Thanks so much for listening to Creative Capital, brought to you by Te Taumata Toya Ibe. You can learn more about our mahi at www.tetaumatatoyaiwe.org.nz. Please also get in touch with any feedback or ideas for the series too. Namahinoe.